unvaccinated employees in New York City are now going to receive reparations after refusing to get the mandated vaccine. Also, Daryl Brooks, the Waukesha parade murder has been found guilty on all charges. Wow, we'll talk a lot about that trial. Also, as lots and lots of things are going on, as many Americans are suffering, our President Joe Biden is prioritizing meeting with, talking with a man who identifies as a girl. We've got all that and much, much more on today's episode of Relatable, which, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. All right, guys, so much to talk about today because we have done the past three episodes as interviews, which I really encourage you to go back and listen to. They haven't really been about the news of the day or the news of the week. So I've been dying to talk about a ton of stuff that I haven't gotten to comment on. Before we get into all that, though, shout out to our uh, new DNC ad satire video that came out last night. We had some technical difficulties getting it onto Instagram, so I apologize for that. But thank you for watching and commenting and sharing and all that good stuff. But make sure that you go check it out on YouTube. And if you share it with your family and friends, send them the uh, the YouTube link, um, and that will really help us out too. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet, here is a here's a here's a little clip from the video we created. I could go all day listing the accomplishments of this administration and the Democratic Party, but why not listen to our voters instead? Here's what they have to say. Not being able to afford to eat out, go on vacation or pay our electricity bills has really brought our family together. Literally, we had to move from our four bedroom house to a studio apartment. Thank you, Joe. And while it looks like we have power simply because our ideology dominates all major corporations, big tech, Hollywood, academia, public education, the administrative and security states, the CDC, the NIH, not to mention the World Economic Forum and the UN, we're actually the underdog. Lots of good parts. I didn't want to reveal what I think are the funniest parts of it because I didn't want to give too much away without you watching the full video. But probably one of my favorite scenes is in there where we talk about how despite progressive ideology dominating every institution, national and global, virtually every institution, they still see themselves as the underdog, as the advocate and the representative of the little guy, the one who is fighting against big, bad, right-wing extremism and fascism and Christian nationalism, even though they have the power even though they are in the dominant position, even though they characterize the entirety of mainstream culture and get to dictate what kids learn in schools and get to uh, decide really what people think through their control of media in Hollywood. Now, thankfully, there's a lot of us who see Pata. It's really actually a wonder that Republicans win any election, when progressivism as an ideology is so ubiquitous. But I love making these videos because I think it makes a point that literalism can't. It's I don't even know if you could necessarily call it satire. Maybe you can, but it's really just irony because I, I'm not 
I, I'm not taking what Democrats believe to an absurd place, which is how I would describe satire. It is really putting all Democratic positions, all of the points of their platform and agenda together in a way that shows you how ridiculous they are. So I say, look, we dominate all of these institutions, but we're really the underdog. Well, Democrats literally believe that. Those things are actually true. So I just put them together in order to make a funny but also serious point. And so I enjoy these. There's months of work and lots of manpower that goes into these videos. So it would help us out a lot if you like it and share it and comment on it and all that good stuff. Also, if you love Relatable, please leave a five-star review wherever you listen and subscribe on YouTube. Okay, quick pause to tell you guys about my first sponsor, and that is Carly Jean Los Angeles. Of course, I'm wearing Carly Jean Los Angeles right now. This beautiful fall dress with my little black boots. I just love their stuff. You guys know I talk about them all the time. I post about them on Instagram all the time because I am wearing Carly Jean clothing almost every single day. Here's what I love about it. I love that their basics line is made in the U.S. I love that it's high quality stuff that I can wear for years. I love that I can wear it in basically any season. It's very versatile, very layerable as well. And also in every season of life, I have worn this clothing pregnant, postpartum, not pregnant or postpartum, which is the stage that I'm in right now. And I can still wear a lot of stuff that I was wearing before. So I just love it. Plus, it's super cute. Here's another thing that I love about it. Carly Jean, who started this company, she's an amazing person. They align with our values. And so you can feel really good about sending your money to Carly Jean Los Angeles versus a lot of other women's clothing companies that are unfortunately, they're using your money to support politicians and causes that are directly fighting against you and the things that you believe in. So it's just a win, 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 win all around when you're shopping at Carly Jean Los Angeles. Plus, you can get a discount by going to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com using promo code AllieB for 20% off always free shipping over $100. That's promo code AllieB for 20% off, excluding final sale items. Go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com, code AllieB, CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. All right, let's get into some things. Let's get into some things. First, I want to talk about finally and fully. I haven't been able to comment on this story on the show and I've been dying to just very briefly because you guys might be tired of hearing this person's name and that is Dylan Mulvaney. We talked about him last week. This is a man who identifies not just as a woman but calls himself a girl, has gone viral on TikTok for days of girlhood where he documents every day where he is quote unquote transitioning into a girl. And we talked last week about his claim on an Ulta podcast that he wants to be a mom one day, that he can be a mom one day. And we did a very thorough and theological response to that. I was as kind as I could possibly be while still being clear about what is true and the harms that gender ideology has both on the individual and on the collective. Um, I want to be just a little bit more 
brash today uh, because I think it's also I think it's also important to simply lay things out without any caveats and without any cushion so we can see the severity of what's happening. So I'm going to play you a video of Dylan Mulvaney saying that he has been invited by the president of the United States, Joe Biden, the person that we were told is a moderate and a unifier to the White House to discuss, quote unquote, trans issues. So here's a little bit of his TikTok where he is announcing that. It's day 222 of being a girl. I'm in Washington, D.C., and I'm going to the White House to speak to the president of the United States. You know that phrase, I fear I may have girl boss too close to the sun? Well, that's how I feel today because I get to sit down with Joe Biden and now this news and I get to ask him a few questions surrounding trans issues in the United States and talk to him about my transness. And I I really just want to represent my community the best that I can. Okay, I thought that that was enough. The video was very long. You might have seen the clips going around where he is actually asking Joe Biden, like, do you think, um, do we have that clip of Dylan asking Joe Biden about, like, if he thinks states should have a right to try to inhibit? Okay. Do you think states should have a right to ban gender-affirming health care? I don't think any state or anybody should have the right to do that. As a moral question and as a legal question. I just think it's wrong. All right. So there is Joe Biden saying that states should not have the right or an individual. Does that mean a parent or a doctor should not have the right to inhibit a person from cutting off their genitals in the name of gender affirmation? And really, when we're having this discussion and debate, you guys know we're talking about children. Like, that's what the debate is about. Really, that's what the uproar is about. I mean, of course, there is disagreement with the idea that a man can become a woman, but it becomes even more egregious when you're talking about minors whose frontal lobes are not developed, who cannot, by law, rightfully consent to sexual activity. And so a lot of people are asking, well, how can they, if they cannot cognitively, legally consent to sexual activity with an adult, how can they possibly consent to having their genitals cut off and being permanently sterilized by an adult? That doesn't make a lot of sense. That's what the debate is about. So when Dylan Mulvaney asks Joe Biden about that, that's that's what he means. He is talking about minor uh, gender affirmation care, which, of course, is a euphemism for not affirmation, but actually opposition to a person's biology. We're talking about the permanent maiming of a child's body and physiology, whether it's hormone treatment, whether it's puberty blockers, which is not temporary, by the way, that can permanently affect a young person's mind. The mind as well as the body needs puberty to be able to develop healthily, Ask yourself what group of people benefit from trapping young people in a state of perpetual adolescence and juvenility. Creepy when you think about it. So that's what Dylan Mulvaney is referencing here. And Joe Biden, our empath in chief, our unifier, our moderate that the evangelicals for Biden supported, the independents and even uh, moderate conservatives said no We need to vote for him. He'll be holistically pro-life. He won't be radical. He'll be a moderate guy. He'll be middle of the road. He'll bring us together. He is saying now that no state or individual has a right to try to inhibit that kind of care. And we actually knew that during the campaign. 
There was a mother at a town hall who said, um, you know, my eight-year-old believes that he or she is the opposite gender. And Joe Biden said, oh, we need to make sure to, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, affirm him or her, make sure that he can go into the bathroom of his choosing. So this is who Joe Biden is. We're talking about the transition, which is a biological impossibility, but that's the word of minors. And he is saying that he supports that. And this, by the way, is what he is prioritizing as, um, as there are Americans who can't make ends meet because of the economic policies that he has pioneered, that he has authored, along with congressional Democrats, the spending policies that have only worsened things like inflation. I mean, Americans are really hurting, not just when it comes to economic policies, but when it comes to the crime policies of state and local Democrats across the country. And this is what he is prioritizing, talking to a grown man who makes a mockery of womanhood by donning a caricature of females by acting and dressing like a six-year-old girl, this is who Joe Biden is taking the time to connect to. This is who the White House is taking the time and the effort and the thought to platform that tells you the values of these people, that tells you what they think of women, that tells you what they think of people who are struggling. And by the way, if you're not watching this, but you're listening, uh, in Dylan's montage or in his little TikTok video, he was wearing a tr- like a protect trans kids shirt. So that's also what gives us the indication of what he is actually talking about when he is talking about quote unquote gender affirming care. Yeah, we see it. We've it's up right now. If you're watching on YouTube, it's supposed to be like a take on the. Um, don't mess with Texas. It says don't mess with trans kids. And so we know what he is referring to. He believes that it should be legal and that it is right and that it is healthy to chop off the genitals of young girls and boys. And again, this is a grown man who wears pigtails and with a five o'clock shadow and tries to act like a young girl. And here's a clip, by the way, of what... Dylan Mulvaney thinks it means to be a woman. This is just one of many clips like this, by the way. Uh, He also refers to female genitalia as a Barbie pouch or Barbie pocket. Let me just say something about that. I can guarantee that he is porn sick and that he probably got that idea or that reference from some kind of sick, like perverse I don't know, chat room or site or something like that. That's something that we've talked about, and I'll get to the clip in a second, but that's something we've talked about with Genevieve Gluck in the past, and she'll be on again soon, um, about how the roots of a lot of young men trying to become girls is found in pornography and things called sissy porn. There is a lot of perversion, a lot of predation within this ideology that too many people don't want to talk about. There's just so much perversion and darkness here. So it doesn't really surprise me again that this grown man is pretending to act like a little girl and that this is what is in his head about what it means to be a female. So here's that clip. Bridges, love them. Coconut water, love it. Not an ad, just love it. Wind turbine, love it. Meadows, love them. 
I'm scared of getting Lyme disease. Love ya. Ah! Oh. Did you see that? I gotta get out of here. Did you see that? There's a dragon. Oh my god. Never again. Get me out of here. Okay, so that's one that you really have to watch rather than listen to to look how ridiculous he is prancing. Um, and there are other videos of him saying, oh, I'm a woman. I cried today for no reason. I sent us, I wrote out a scathing email that I did not send. I said that I was fine when I wasn't fine. So, okay, you think that being a woman is just PMS. That's what you think it is. You think it's being a floosie. You think it's being a klutz. You think it's being a ditz. You think it's being a little child. You think it's being an airhead. That's what you think it means to be a girl or to be a woman. It's creepy. And I'm just going to say this. And I gave like a very, again, I think thorough and, and compassionate response in my last episode about him. But look, this person who said recently that the world sees him as a girl looks nothing like a girl, acts nothing like a girl. Like he is very masculine looking, very masculine looking from the body, the hands, the feet, the facial features. I mean, there is no way there's no way for this person to look like a woman or to look like a girl i've seen past videos of him he was a he was on broadway very talented excellent singer probably great actor too there's a question about all of that how much of this is just like an act and handsome man like had a great stage presence and I just really am sad. I'm sad that he is trying to pursue something that will never be possible, that is simply not a tangible goal. And it, it just can never be reached. The world will never see this person as a woman. And he doesn't even have the act down very well. It just comes across as mockery. Now, if this is all some grand joke, if this is parody, maybe, hats off to you, dude. Hats off to you. You've duped a lot of people into being angry. You've duped a lot of people into giving you lucrative sponsorships. You've duped a lot of people into supporting you if this is all just some like funny joke to make a point about how crazy gender ideology is. Wow, that's that is very impressive and I will applaud you for that. Otherwise, I am I'm I am worried. I am worried if this is who the White House and our society is hoisting up as some kind of hero. All right, let me tell you guys about Healthy Cell. This is a really unique product. If you are one of the millions of Americans who is still taking the traditional tablets and capsules for your multivitamin, you might not know that you are not getting the absorption that you are looking for from these vitamins. They're typically filled with all kinds of fake fillers and coatings that are not really good for your esophagus or stomach and can actually inhibit the absorption that you are looking for. So why waste time and money on these multivitamins that aren't even helping your health? That's why Healthy Cell exists. They use a different kind of technology called a microgel technology that is not a pill. It's not a capsule. It's a gel and it comes in a little packet and you take it and your body absorbs it. Um, it there's actually 165% more absorption with this microgel than with a traditional pill. There's all different kinds of multivitamins that they've got, depending on what you're looking for. My mom has been taking their 
a focus multivitamin every morning. She really feels like it has made her memory better and made her feel sharper and her thinking even more clear. And so you should check that out. Go to HealthyCell.com slash Allie. That's HealthyCell.com. Use promo code Allie for 20% off your first order. HealthyCell.com slash Allie. Code Allie for 20% off your first order. All right, I want to talk about this awesome story. And that is that the New York Supreme Court has ordered New York City to rehire and pay back wages to unvaccinated city employees who were fired for being unvaccinated. This is a pretty incredible development. So we look at a lot of darkness, a lot of bad, but I wanted to look at one awesome story that I hope is a I I hope it's a sign of what's to come for people who have been unfairly fired, who have lost their livelihoods because of an unconstitutional and immoral mandate to get a vaccine that does not. We know Pfizer admitted this does not stop transmission, does not stop you from getting covid, doesn't stop you from getting infected. Maybe it's effective from prohibiting some kind of, you know, serious illness in some people, but it simply does not do what we were told by Fauci, by Maddow, by by Biden that it was going to do. It's not loving your neighbor. It's not being kind. It's not being compassionate. It really is just a personal choice that in some cases um, has harmed people. It's actually caused adverse effects in some people. And yet people were required to do it in order to feed their families. And so now, even though that was very unjust, we are seeing some just movements in the direction of restoration and reparations. This is a case in which I think reparations being a direct payment to those who had to bear the brunt of injustice is good. So here's how the National Review is reporting this. In October 2021, David Chokshi, NYC's health commissioner, issued an order requiring all city employees to be inoculated against COVID. Later, he issued an order for private sector employees. Mayor Eric Adams signed a supplementary executive order to that latter mandate, carving out exemptions for athletes, musicians, and other performers. Well, isn't that nice? (laughs) The people that New York needs to uh, make money. All the other people, though, I guess you're just SOL. Uh, The New York Supreme Court found that the orders were arbitrary and capricious and also found that Chakshi's order violated the New York State Constitution. So this is this opinion was authored by Judge Ralph J. Porzio a Republican, and it it, it read this. The health commissioner cannot create a new condition of employment for city employees, cannot prohibit an employee from reporting to work, and cannot terminate employees. The mayor cannot exempt certain employees from these orders. If it was about safety and public health, no one would be exempt. It is time for the city of New York to do what is right and what is just. Here's what he also argued. He says this, quote, being vaccinated does not prevent an individual from contracting or transmitting COVID-19, which is exactly true. So this is following the science. This is actually looking at the data. This is making a decision not based on politics, not partisanship, and not faux concerns about safety, but truth. And isn't that how we should be making all of our decisions? You know, it's crazy that you still have people after everything we know about the ineffectiveness and in some cases, the harm of the vaccine, that there are still people pushing it. There are still people calling those who didn't want to get it anti-vaxxers. Joe Biden just this week made an announcement 
saying that everyone needs to get their COVID shot, that we have to get our COVID shot to have a healthy and safe holiday season, and that you need to get your booster every year. We're still playing that game. Are you kidding? But you know, I realize that a lot of people on the left, more so than the right, and this is just true, a lot of people on the left are very insulated from anything that counters or anything that could pop their bubble, anything that counters their narrative. And we've talked about several studies that show that. We have talked about how, um, we've talked about the study that shows that people who watch MSNBC, people who identify as the left, that they overestimate by thousands and thousands how many unarmed black men are shot every year by the police. They also thought that um, your chances of going to the hospital with COVID was like 50%. Um, And so we actually see this continually. There was also an example of this the other day, Lauren Boebert, she, I'm trying to think about what it is. Uh, she told, she tweeted a joke. Oh, she tweeted a joke about Biden. She said, she said two words, let's go, Brandon. And it was a joke based on something that Joe Biden had said just the day before. He said two words made in America. So Lauren Bobert was making a clever joke based on that. Well, all of the leftists in her replies and in her quote tweets, I'm talking about journalists, celebrities, blue check marks saying, oh, she's so dumb. She's so dumb. She doesn't she can't even count. Republicans are so dumb. She doesn't even have any brains. They are so insulated from any criticism of Joe Biden, any negative press about Joe Biden, just reality in general. They do not see the same things that you and I see, I've realized. And they have the privilege of being able to do that. They can insulate themselves because you really have to seek out truth. Like you have to seek out alternative viewpoints. You have to seek out conservative viewpoints. You don't have to seek out progressive viewpoints. All you have to do is go to work, go to school, look at Twitter look at the vast majority of headlines, most things are going to be left-leaning. It's extremely ubiquitous, which is why conservatives typically do a better job of debating why when we are asked those poll questions of like, okay, roughly how many unarmed black people versus white people are killed by the police every year? What are the chances of going to the hospital uh, with COVID? How much money have we sent to Ukraine? Conservatives are just more likely to get those questions right because we are, whether we want to or not, exposed to both sides of the argument and exposed to what both sides are saying all of the time. And because we have to make a lot of effort to see a conservative viewpoint or to dig for the truth behind, for example, a New York Times headline. So because we spend a lot more time and a lot more effort digging into stories, we simply know a lot more about the truth of them in general. In general, I'm not saying all leftists don't know anything about the truth. I'm not saying that people on the right are always correct, but that's just the nature of things. I, I've noticed that, that when I talk to people on the left, they're like, what do you think about Joe Biden saying this? Or what do you think about this decision? What do you think about this policy, this law, this book being read in schools? It's like, is that happening? That's not really happening. That's a conspiracy theory. Or even if you ask a lot of people on the left, like, okay, you say that you support abortion. What is an abortion? Can you describe to me what happens in an abortion? And let's hear the details of it. Like, what is an abortion procedure? Many of them really don't know. And many of them don't even really know why they support abortion. They can't really articulate why they believe They think it's okay or should be legal to kill a human being simply because it's small or 
simply because of its location or because of the circumstances surrounding its conception or because of its socioeconomic class or because of its stage of development. Because if you apply any of those reasons to people outside of the womb, the argument becomes obviously barbaric very quickly. So I've just noticed that. that, And I guess that's a consequence. It could be right or left of just being in the mainstream, of just constantly having your viewpoint affirmed by celebrities, affirmed by, you know, your professors, affirmed by culture constantly. And yet again, constantly also thinking that you are the underdog. So just a couple more things to say about this uh, vaccine story. Obviously, I'm very happy about what happened in the city of New York City. This doesn't affect nearly enough people. There are still nurses today that were fired from their jobs for not getting the vaccine that they did not want or need. They had natural immunity. They didn't want to get the vaccine. Maybe they were pregnant. They were breastfeeding. There's a million reasons, legitimate, valid reasons why someone would not want um, to get the vaccine. There are service members who were discharged because they did not want to get the vaccine. So people today are still suffering because of the mandate that came from Joe Biden, that came from Democrat officials, that came from the progressive run military. There are still people who lost their livelihoods because of mandates to take a vaccine that in some cases actually has been very harmful for people and in other cases has been entirely ineffective to inoculate someone from COVID. And to stop, it has been ineffective in stopping the transmission too. I mean, that is insane. That's insane. Now, for those of us who held on, who, I mean, I got close. I got close at one point to wanting to get the vaccine. But to those of us who said, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I just don't know enough about this. I don't trust this yet. And the fact that they're forcing it really makes me skeptical. I got to say, we feel pretty good right now. We feel pretty vindicated. Now, there's a lot of you out there who chose to get the vaccine. I don't judge that at all. That's your personal decision. I do. I'm struggling through judgment and unforgiveness of people who push the mandates, who try to push for policies that have punished people for making their own medical decisions, a true personal medical decision, unlike what abortion is, who scream my body, my my choice when it comes to dismembering babies, but didn't believe that about masks, don't believe that about vaccines. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to fix my hardness of heart there um, and realize, you know, a lot of us are wrong about a lot of things, but just understand that um, your insistence upon forcing that on people, whether it's through the mandates in a private business or from the government, like that had consequences, very real consequences that you might not be paying, but that your neighbor is probably paying still today. Like children suffered from people supporting policies that lock down schools and shut down businesses. Um, so I, I mean, I do feel, I, I feel really good about my decision, my family's decision not to get the vaccine. I don't know how you're feeling right now, but I'm just hoping and praying for justice, uh, for more people who were punished because of their completely valid and scientific decision. And I know a lot of you, you lost friends because you chose not to get it. And you had friends who said, oh, no, you can't come to my house. You can't be around me. You can't come to our family reunion. You can't come on family vacation. You can't uh, you can't go to my wedding or come to this funeral unless you, unless you get the vaccine. I mean, you lost relationships because of that. 
This is a big deal. And I know that a lot of people, especially Democrats, want to just pretend like none of that happened. Like Joe Biden didn't basically threaten us in the White House saying that we are going to have a winter of death and destruction if we don't get the vaccine. I know a lot of people want to forget that. I'm not going to forget it. I'm not like there's a lot of forgiveness there. There's a lot of grace for people because God has forgiven me, has forgiven us for far more than what anyone else can ever do to us. But I'm not going to forget it. I mean, it's going to shape how I think of government for the rest of my life. It's going to shape how I approach policy and how I trust health institutions in this country for the rest of my life. I mean, it has set in stone what I think and in a lot of ways what I already thought about the government, about the CDC, about the NIH, about the pharmaceutical companies, about um, Twitter celebrities and the media just hawking this thing without really any data to back up their fantastical and very dogmatic claims. I mean, it has, if anything, has pushed me uh, further to the right or maybe just further into a place of not trusting so many of our institutions and major corporations. It has been the push for mandatory vaccines and lockdowns and school shutdowns. Man, that you just you can't unsee that. And Again, there is forgiveness. Maybe there can be um, some reconciliation there after some more restitution is paid for those who have suffered from these choices. But I will not forget because kids are going to suffer for this possibly forever for the rest of their lives. You stole memories and experiences and learning hours and days from them that they will never ever get back. I'm not going to forget that. That is going to shape how I see the government, how I see policy, how I see politics, how I see culture wars forever, how I see public health choices, unfortunately, how I see it forever. By the way, speaking of public health, how about a monkeypox? That's weird. That just disappeared. I mean, it was almost like we started hearing about kids and dogs getting it, and the media just decided, whoop, we're not going to talk about that anymore. That was weird. Um, once again, just chip away at my trust more and more uh, in the media and in public health institutions, which was already almost non-existent, and now it's worse than it was before. And I guarantee you, I am not alone. Anyway, continuing to pray for the truth to be revealed, continuing to pray for justice, continuing to pray for restitution for those who have been wrongly harmed by these unjust mandates. All right, time to talk about ExpressVPN. If you care about your online privacy so that all your information and your internet activity isn't just going out to the highest bidder, then you need to be using a VPN. I use ExpressVPN, and this is especially important for parents. If you care about protecting your child's identity, their location, and their internet activity from creepers online, if your children are at the age where they are allowed to have supervised 
time spent on devices, you need to protect them by getting ExpressVPN. You can put it on every device. You can put it on your phone, your computer, your tablet. One account can be put on up to uh, five devices. It hides your real IP address, replaces it with a fake one, keeping you safe and private. It's really easy to use. Even your kids who use tech devices can fire it up just by clicking on the app. It's really easy. There's another cool part about it too. Because it anonymizes your location or you can say you're in a different location than where you are, you also get uh, lots of different options on your streaming devices for what you can watch. So that's pretty cool. So secure your family's online activity and unlock tons of new shows by visiting expressvpn.com slash Use my link. You can get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com slash Allie expressvpn.com slash Allie to learn more. All right, just a couple more things to say. Uh, a couple more subjects. I want to talk about this Fetterman Oz debate. Just briefly, you've probably heard other people talking about this, but I have some comments on it. If you don't know, this is a Pennsylvania Senate race between John Fetterman and Mehmet, Dr. Mehmet Oz. We're talking about the TV doctor. They are running for the Senate seat. This is a very contentious Senate seat. And if you don't know, John Fetterman, he suffered from a stroke. And so he has speech issues and just being able to compute the English language issues. And I don't say that in a way that is trying to, you know, diminish uh, diminish his value as a human being or to say that I don't wish him well or to even make fun of a disability. I am saying that factually, that he has a very hard time, as even the liberal media has had to admit Computing. He can't really understand what people are saying and he cannot communicate in a clear way. And that should worry us that if Democrats are willing to elect someone who is obviously very severely cognitively impaired to a Senate seat, then it just goes to show that they don't actually care about someone carrying their values or uh, being a fighter or champion particular values. They just want someone who is going to fill a seat. They just want a body. They just want someone who is going to vote along party lines. And I get it. I I do get that to some extent. They would rather someone vote with them than someone who is going to vote against them. But what a terrible candidate. I'm shocked that John Fetterman actually agreed to do this debate with the Met Oz. Um, Let me play you a couple clips just so you know what I'm talking about support fracking, that you've always supported fracking. But there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Oh, uh, I, I, I do support fracking and I don't, I don't, I support fracking and I stand and I do support fracking. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Federer. All right. So the whole night was like that. Okay, that is just one clip. The whole night was like that, is that he could not talk. He did not understand what was being asked, and he could not communicate the answers that he had memorized. And also, so 
he's flip-flopping there. And fracking is a very big deal in Pennsylvania. A large part of the state relies on fracking, again, for their economy and for their livelihood. And so he has said that he is against fracking because he is a radical leftist and leftists in general are against fracking. And now he is saying he's for it because... Now he wants to win. That's, of course, what politicians do on the left and the right. But, I mean, just putting aside the fact that he can't speak, he is also not telling the truth or he has changed his mind. And he should probably um, he should probably explain that. Now, I want to play this clip from The View where the hosts are talking about this person being bullied. It was really strange to me that he chose to bully a stroke Victim, yeah, exactly. right. Like he obviously was bullying him. Now, this is ridiculous because actually one of the comments that I had is that Dr. Oz did a really good job of keeping a straight face and I thought was very respectful throughout this debate rather than going. And sorry, you have to be watching it to know what I just did rather than doing that, which I think what a lot of people would have just naturally done. He stood there very calm. Obviously, he has a TV background and he just kind of respectfully listened and took notes as John Fetterman was talking. John Fetterman struggled so much and there is no way that he is going to be able to serve in the Senate seat. And we're hearing ridiculous things from people like Sunny from The View and others that it's ableism, that it's discriminatory. Look, yeah, it is ableism. You have to be able to speak and to think in order to be a senator. So you can call that what you want to, but you have to be able to do certain things in order to fill a certain role. I mean, that's just true across the board. Like if they were running in a physical race and Mehmet Oz was beating John Fetterman because he had two legs and John Fetterman only had one leg and people were saying, okay, if we're trying to pick which one is going to run track for the Olympics, then we're probably going to pick the person with two legs because he can actually run. And this person over here, he can't run or he can't run as fast. And it's obviously very difficult and painful for him to run. And so we should probably pick the person who is fast. We should probably pick the person who has two legs. I mean, that it, it, saying that it is rude or discriminatory or mean or unsympathetic to call out the disability or the inabilities of John Fetterman in the Senate race is like saying that we should, for the sake of empathy, pick the person who cannot physically run to be on our Olympic track team. That would be ridiculous, right? That would be dumb. And so that seems to be the kind of crazy line of thinking that a lot of people have. I think a lot more honest and maybe even more effective line from Democrats would be, look, we just don't care. You just don't care. Look, he's going to vote how we want him to vote. It doesn't matter if he can speak. It doesn't matter if he can think. His wife is going to interpret things for him and tell him what to do. And we just need his body there. That's all we need. We need him to press the right button. We need him to vote. That's it. All right. I can understand that. I don't know if I respect that argument, but I can understand it. There are probably some Republicans that do that would do the same thing on the other side. But I mean, you can't blame people for calling out the fact that John Fetterman cannot speak. I wish him well. I hope that he fully recovers and maybe he can run again in the future if he loses this, which I think that he should. And maybe he can get back on his feet. He just needs to take some more time to recover. I mean, that would be the loving thing for his family and his doctors to recommend, right? People in his life who actually care about him. I think the same thing about Joe Biden. 
I mean, he obviously is not there. Every time he gets up on stage, he gets lost. The other day, he asked where a congresswoman was. He said, where's Jackie at a press conference? Well, that congresswoman died a couple months ago. So that's where Joe Biden is. So I think the same thing about Joe Biden. I think the same thing about Joe Biden's staff and the people around him. Why well, no one is saying, you know what? I understand that we really want to have power. I understand that we really want to run the country. But my love for this person, my compassion and care and empathy for this person outweighs whatever this country needs. Like that would be the right position. And yet we are seeing them put up people that are unhealthy and that simply cannot do the job that they are supposed to be doing. Last sponsor for the day, and that is Annie's Kit Clubs. If you are looking for a way to take your kids off their devices, you want them to be spending their downtime or their time on the weekends in a way that is constructive, good for their brains, but still restful, you should check out Annie's Kit Clubs. It is a subscription craft service. It sends a craft to your front door Every month, whether you have boys or girls, they've got something for everyone. They've got jewelry making for your girls. They've got woodworking kits. They've got STEM projects, all kinds of awesome stuff. The best part is that in every box, you get all of the supplies, all the tools, all the instructions they need to be able to do this by themselves. It's perfect for kids ages about seven to 12. And also, if it doesn't work out for you, if your kid is not into it, you can cancel at any time. There's no long-term contract or anything like that, but I am sure you're gonna love it. Also, if you go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. You can get your first month 75% off. That's a great deal. annieskitclubs.com slash Allie for 75% off your first month. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. All right. I want to talk about one more story and that is Daryl Brooks. Um, Daryl Brooks is the guy who ran through the Waukesha Christmas parade in November of 2021. Um, it's such a sad story. It was a terrible story when it happened. It was just shocking. There was this wonderful Christmas tradition in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and there were uh, kids and elderly people dressed up and and dancing, and it seemed like it was a great time. And Daryl Brooks decided to take his SUV and ram it through the crowds, running over, mowing down 60 people. He killed six people, including an uh, an eight-year-old little boy named Jackson. Thankfully, his brother was spared. I'm pretty sure that his brother was also injured, but um, Jackson did not make it. And this is someone, Daryl Brooks, who had a long rap sheet. He was convicted of a felony of having sex with or raping a young girl and then impregnating her. Um, he has a history of violence. He um, is a registered sex offender, as I said. He was charged in 2010 with strangulation, battery, and criminal damage to property. Um, after a woman told police he had shoved her to the ground during an argument and grabbed her throat. Um, he also just recently, a little bit before the crime that he committed last November, tried to run his girlfriend over uh, with the car that he ended up using to murder six people in the Waukesha um, in the Waukesha parade. So over and over again, Brooks is charged with not just crimes but a felony, violent crimes. 
And then in 2020, he's accused of shooting at a relative and a relative's friend during an argument. No one was injured, but he did shoot at him. Um, And so Brooks's attorney asked the judge to follow the pretrial risk assessment, which recommended a signature bond, meaning to prom a promise to appear with a monetary penalty if you fail to do so or set it at five hundred dollars. Judge David Feist sets the bail at ten thousand dollars and. Uh, Brooks's attorney then argues in this case for a lower bail. So David Feist, the judge, agrees and sets it at 7,500. Brooks is scheduled for a jury trial after this, but his trial cannot proceed because of another ongoing trial in the courtroom. His case is postponed and the bail was then lowered to $500 at the beginning of 2021, which was posted days later. All right. So you see how this happened. You see how our justice system works and allows criminals back onto the street. So that was February of 2021. Uh, And then uh, he was arrested a couple times throughout 2021. He was let go several times. Uh, November, the beginning of November of 2021. um, Again, like I said earlier, assaulted a woman, ran her over with his car. Still out of prison, being able to walk free. He had a few more interactions with the police in November. And then at the end of November is when he ran through the Christmas parade in Waukesha and killed the six people. So he had been known to police since at least 1999. Several run-ins with our so-called justice system should have been in prison. If he had been in prison, even if the judge had just done his job in 2021, but really long before that. I mean, if you are a pedophile, you impregnated a minor, you're a registered sex offender. There's no way. And that was in 2000. uh, That was in, let's see, 2006, impregnating a 15 year old charged with assault in 2010. There's no way that he should have been out of prison. If our justice system actually enacted justice, if we actually executed justice, he would have still been in prison and little eight-year-old Jackson would still be alive and parents wouldn't have had to bury their baby boy because of Daryl Brooks's um, propensity towards violence and murder. But unfortunately, in some cases, our justice system is more bent on social justice and so-called equity than it is on punishment. Uh, That seems to be the case here. I can't, I don't know the motivation in the heart behind the judge and all the different people that failed the victims of the Waukesha parade killing by allowing Brooks to go free. But very often because uh, the, the quotas say, or the statistics say, that black people are disproportionately represented in the prison population. Uh, judges who say that they want equity or they want to try to diminish those disparities will not do their jobs. They will simply set a low bail. They will do light sentences in the name of trying to get rid of those disparities or that alleged over-representation. 
And the people who bear the brunt of that are the victims of violence. I mean, this is true in every progressive area in this country where crime has gone up. You've got the progressive judges, you've got the progressive DAs that simply are soft on crime in the name of social justice. Social justice kills. Social justice kills. I was just talking to a police officer in Harris County, Houston, who has been a police officer for 11 years, and she was telling me how much worse it's gotten over the past 11 years, how violent crime and vicious crime is up. It's a lot more likely than it was even just a few years ago, and it's because of that Judge Hidalgo in Harris County. It's because of the progressive DAs. It's because of the progressive policies that simply in the name of social justice, they don't want too high of a prison population or they want to lower their arrest numbers. And so um, they don't always allow the police to do their jobs. But really more than that, they issue these light sentences that just let violent criminals go out and wreak havoc on these communities at the expense of innocent and vulnerable people. And so that's what happened here. The interesting thing about this Daryl Brooks case also is how he conducted himself in court. He decided rather than having an attorney, which of course he, just like everyone else, has a right to, uh, he decided to represent himself. And he had some very disturbing behavior um, in court. So here's one clip of that. Your Honor, I believe he has seven prior criminal convictions via OWI second from 1997 and OWI third from 1997 an OWI 4th from 2003, criminal trespass to dwelling from 2006. Right, I need to take a break. This man right now is having a stare down with me. It's very disrespectful. He pounded his fist. Frankly, it makes me scared. And we're taking a break. I mean, what an evil... What an evil person. I know that you couldn't see all of that if you weren't, um, if you're not watching on YouTube. But I mean, he's, he pounds his fists. And while the other attorney was talking, we couldn't play all of it. Um, he is trying to yell. And this is something that happened throughout the trial. The judge actually heard her say that she is actually scared because he is trying to intimidate her. I don't know if he is unwell. It's possible for someone to just be evil and wicked and not be unwell. It does kind of strike me as unstable, though. So I'm not sure what's going on mentally. Um, but let me play you uh, another clip that just shows an example of this. That claim by pointing out that not only does the defendant not live with the child in question, he doesn't live with any of the other children that he has. He impregnated Erica Patterson when she was a minor in Nevada, and for doing so, he was convicted of statutory sexual seduction, pled guilty in March of 2007 to that felony offense, and is a sex offender on the registry as a result. So if there's any causation that would lead to Erica Patterson being a bad mom, Mr. Brooks has a direct role in that causation. And that's furthermore to that. I'm not because sure. that's a lie. Let him at finish. The end of the day, let him we, finish. We don't open the Mr. door on that. No, since he want to make a record and not be accurate, so let's be ac accurate all on the record. Since you think you know so much, once so again, we can Mr. open Brooks the door on. We can open the door on how old she told me she was. Interrupting. We, we can ask that question. He is over the top animated right now. Do you right know that? Mr. Brooks, I'm ordering you to sit down and to let this man no, finish. No, I'm not going to sit here and let somebody be inaccurate on the record and lie on the record. Right. Under Illinois versus Allen, I've warned him repeatedly he's being removed from the courtroom. Okay, so he had to be removed from the courtroom for just causing disturbance. And I mean, this person doesn't need to be in society. He is 
Um, he's unsafe. He might be unsafe to himself. He is certainly unsafe for this community. And unfortunately, six people had to pay their lives before he is actually going to stay behind bars. Now, thankfully, the jury did come to um, the right verdict on a Wednesday, October 26th. After 90 minutes of deliberations, the jury announced it had verdicts. Brooks was found guilty of all 76 charges. It took Judge Darrow 25 minutes to read all the guilty verdicts aloud. So the sentencing has not, um, he hasn't been sentenced yet. That is going to um, hopefully happen next week. Now, Wisconsin does not um, allow for the death penalty. I think, unfortunately, in this case, unless he was charged and found guilty, charged by the federal government and found guilty, the federal government could then recommend the death penalty, but that's not going to happen with our current government. I think that that would be just. I have talked about the justice of the death penalty in some capital murder, in capital murder cases and the biblical justice for the death penalty. And actually, I think that that is what justice demands in capital murder cases, proven capital murder cases where we know um, uh, where we know there is evidence that someone committed capital murder, I absolutely believe that the ju- uh, that the death penalty is just. I think that justice here would be for Daryl Brooks to get the death penalty. He won't, um, but he will very likely spend the rest of his life in prison and Wisconsin and the country will really be safer for it. But gosh, it is so unfortunate that it took over 20 years for this to happen, that he was able to victimize so many people, so many young people before justice was carried out and before innocent people were protected. Um, social justice kills. Soft on crime policies kill. That is one main motivator in the midterms this year. Democrats can talk all they want to about how they think that they're preserving democracy, how they think they're protecting a woman's right to choose to kill her baby. But at the end of the day, look, like people care about their pocketbooks and they care about their communities being safe. So I I mean, I don't know how the elections will go. I think as always, there are going to be surprises, but I do know that people are thinking about these things. People are thinking about their kids. People are thinking about education. People are thinking about their freedom. They don't want to be locked down again. Um, People are thinking about their businesses, their ability to feed their families. They're thinking about their protection and their safety. And most people are going to vote on that. Even the people who have to close their nose in order to vote Republican because really they're progressive at, progressives at heart, they understand that things need to change. Things need to change in L.A. Things need to change in San Francisco. Things need to change in Houston. Things need to change in Denver. Things need to change in uh, all kinds of states that have just been decimated by progressive policies. Progressivism kills everything that it touches. It is like a cancer. It takes over uh, every entity that it is a part of, and it just destructs and destroys and never builds anything good in its place. So here's to hoping not only that Democrats lose in droves for the midterms, but also that the Republicans that are elected are not weak, that they actually fight for the things that their voters want them to fight for. 
That's what I'm hoping. Ultimately, we understand that our hope is not in this election. It's not in any particular politician. It's not in any particular political party. It's in Christ, who is totally sovereign, who is king over all. One day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and there won't be any partisanship or politics or sorrow or death or crime or division or any of this anymore. But rather, we will all live in perfect peace and joy in Christ. And so that's what we look forward to. But in the here and the now, we do occupy this physical space. And just as Israel was called to seek the welfare of the city in which they were exiled, so Christians who are exiles on this earth are called to seek the welfare and the betterment of the cities, of the nations um, that we occupy. And you can call that Christian nationalism. You can call that whatever you want. It's simply what Christians are called to. So let's do it. Make sure that you, by the way, get your little sticker that tells you to vote and why you should vote. Politics matter because policy matters because people matter. We'll link it in the description of this episode. And also you can get a little Rip Row sticker. They're both $5. That's a good reminder of why politics matter because it's actually life and death for a lot of people, especially the voiceless people like children in the womb. All right, guys, it's all we've got for today. We'll be back on Monday with lots and lots of good things to talk about. So we will see you guys then. <laughs>